Hi, friends. Welcome to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. I'm Leona Evans, and I'm here today with my son and co-host, Matthew J. Evans. Hi. Thanks for joining us today. This has been one of the most difficult weeks, I think, as an American, I've lived through in my entire life, and I think for a lot of people, too. We are recording this broadcast on Friday evening, January 8th, and just two days ago, we witnessed horrific acts of violence and insurrection, which took place at our nation's capital. It was the ugliest and most frightening experience that we have ever had. It really was. I'm still, it feels like trying to wrap my head around the fact that it even happened. It's its almost unbelievable that that an armed group of rioters could actually storm the Capitol. It's, it's just unbelievable and so painful, so embarrassing as an American to, to see my own country just devolve into such violent chaos. These acts of violence took place on the day that Congress was to affirm the results of the 2020 presidential election. These people wanted to interfere with that. Yeah, they brought guns, they brought bombs, they brought zip ties to apparently capture members of Congress. It, 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 I, I'm still speechless. It's been several days and I still am struggling to find the words to just understand what happened. Watching the pictures live on TV of the huge crowd just bust through the police line, burst into the Capitol, and then the footage from within the Capitol of people just running through, tearing things down, tossing things on the floor, ransacking all the stories we heard, interviews with the people who were in the Capitol, who broke into the Capitol. It it was kind of an unforgettable 24 hours. I, I remember earlier uh, in November, everybody was staying awake 24-7 watching the election results come in, but this was another kind of glued to the TV set. This was like abject horror. It was, it was honestly like watching some kind of apocalyptic movie, but it was real. Yes, it was real, and it is real. And one of the reasons we're choosing this subject matter for our broadcast today, which is normally geared to positive living and still is, is that in order to really, really understand the power of our faith, we also have to come to grips with tragedies in life. It's not about waving them away or affirming them away or pretending they didn't happen, but it's understanding that because they happened, we have yet another opportunity to look inside of ourselves and find the strength and the faith to learn how to cope with these tragedies and find ways to learn from them, grow from them, understand what the world requires of us in order to live in a world of peaceful coexistence. How, how have you been feeling about it? I know that you have seen riots and and all kinds of of terrible events in your life, both in America and and abroad. How did it feel to to see 
what was going on. I knew there was going to be a time of retaliation because there had been so much incendiary language being shouted and being communicated to people who felt disenfranchised, who felt that the government had been unfair to them, who felt that President Trump was going to be the answer to all of their problems. And when they saw that he had lost the election, it was just more than they could take. I knew this would be the outcome, and it was horrible to be right. It was just awful. But now that a couple of days have passed, there seems to be more of a level of acceptance. I don't mean approval. I mean a recognition that what happened happened. And it is something that gives me a a greater sense of purpose in terms of what it is that I want to teach and what it is that I want to inspire people to do, and that is to become active, to literally get off our affirmation and find ways to make our voices heard in nonviolent and powerful ways. It's ironic that these events at the Capitol building took place less than two weeks before the celebration of Martin Luther King's birthday. He was one of the greatest proponents of nonviolent action the world has ever known. His great teacher, Mahatma Gandhi, is someone whom I followed for years and years. And to see this beautiful philosophy of nonviolent action in juxtaposition to violence, pure unadulterated violence just gives us pause. It's a photograph in time, an opportunity to take a good look at what has happened and what can happen. What has happened is violence, and we have lived in a culture of violence for thousands and thousands of years. These acts of insurrection have taken place in countries all over the world. For us in the United States, this is the first time that our generations have experienced something this violent and this horrific. But if for nothing else, let it be a wake-up call to see what we can be if we're not careful, if we're not vigilant, if we don't know who we are and the power we have within us, this is what can happen when we become so agitated and fearful for our existence that we use our reptilian brains and act out of passion without forethought, without thinking or feeling what other people might be experiencing or why. If we take a good look at what is and what can be, we can become inspired to take action and to realize that there's no activity that's too small to move from a culture of violence to a culture of peace. We can. We can, if we will. And I think 
acts of violence like this, when they serve as wake-up calls, can bring us to a new level of awareness and a new level of growth and a new type of relationship with one another, a new type of decision-making, a new type of politics that's more civil and more compassionate. And so I'm not saying that these acts of violence have to happen, but I'm saying that because they do, we can make a choice. We can turn to higher, more conscious ways to experience life and to leave a legacy of light and love. Wow, I don't think there's anything more important right now than that. I mean, trying to give a little light and love in in this this time is I I think one of the most important things that we as individuals can do, right? Because we can't try to affect what's happening in Washington DC by ourselves. We have to do that as a as a society, but just trying to make uh, our lives around our friends and family brighter, that's, that's, I mean, that's all we can do. I agree that it's one of the most important things that we can do, but I don't think it's the only thing we can do. I think what we can do is to realize how important our feedback and our help is to our elected officials. I think that we have been so used to saying, I did my work, I served on a committee, I worked on the election, I elected these officials, and now let them do their job. But that isn't the way it works, and I think we see that now, that our elected officials are willing to do the work that we've elected them to do, but they can't do it without us. We can't turn our backs on them and believe that they get to do something that we're not a part of. Do you agree? Yes, I do agree. Getting in touch with our representatives and telling them what we are passionate about and asking them to move legislation about what we're interested in is is so key and so important to the democratic process. But also our own personal engagement with what we're doing in our own everyday lives is so important. If we really care about something, we need to go out and find organizations that are involved with that and and volunteer. If there isn't one, start one ourselves. There's always a way that we can be every day working toward our goals, whether they're at the national level, at the state level, at the local level, in our own house. You know, it's it's important to, to be active and committed in that way. It is. It strengthens our character. It gives us a sense of the greater community, and it really gives us an opportunity to be more resilient in the face of tragedies such as we've seen this last week. We need to remember that when we want big change, we need to understand that there is a disturbance in the status quo. And things are not going to be the same. And sometimes there are horrific experiences that occur because we have our eye on the big change and not necessarily on the process, which is not always pleasant. The important thing is to remember that we're together in this, that we have a shared vision of equality for all, 
of no one in the world being hungry, of everyone having an equal opportunity to live their lives to the fullest. With that kind of vision comes opportunities to realize that we really are strong enough and capable enough to bring those visions into reality. And this is what's happening to us right now. Do you agree? I do. Uh, We're heading into a big time of change. Not only uh, is it a presidential change, but the, the Senate majority is changing. There's a whole lot of action going on and a whole lot of uncertainty um, politically, economically, with the coronavirus, uh, who knows what's going on with climate change? It seems like so many issues kind of all got thrown up in the air with the coronavirus happening in 2020. So now we have this opportunity in 2021 to address these issues that have seemed to just go on and on and on without any kind of resolution. Now we really have an opportunity to do something. So as you're saying, we need to be prepared in as many ways as possible for what it is that we want to do. How do you feel about what might happen in the days to come? We have heard on the news just today that there is a plan to infiltrate the White House or the Capitol at the time of the swearing-in of our new president. Do you think something like that's going to happen? I really hope that it doesn't, but it it seems very likely that another event like we saw will happen again. There's, There's a lot of talk online about the same groups that were there coming back for the inauguration, and I... I hope, I mean, I hear on the news people saying that the organizations that are in charge of security for the inauguration are stepping up their their efforts from what they were already doing to try to keep the inauguration as safe as possible. And I, I really hope that there are no more opportunities for violence, that, that the rioters don't come back and bring violence to others, but that also... As a response to that, the the police or the guards don't commit violence to them. I mean, someone died. Several people have died. That's awful. No matter what side of the political spectrum they're on, no one should have lost their life just to confirm the results of the election. It is just tragic. And yes, they say things might happen again. But I hope that we have, we, but that the people in charge have taken the steps to keep everyone as safe as possible. Yes, what you're saying makes a great deal of sense. I would like to see a level of reform in police activity. I would like to see them not only protect our elected officials and those around them, but to protect the rioters from harm by not using unnecessary violence, by being protective and defensive rather than aggressive. I know that this is a lot to ask. I know that when things are violent, people act out of passion rather than compassion. And I know how hard it is, but I also know that unless we see our defenders of the law as defenders and not aggressors, then a whole new level of awareness will come to pass. 
And just one important thing to mention, I think what we're talking about here applies to all protester and police interactions, whether it's on the far right or the left, Black Lives Matter or Proud Boys. Everyone should feel safe around the police if they're not doing anything illegal or dangerous. You know, there there shouldn't be a situation where the cops are the enemy. You know, we heard people in protests this summer and yesterday looking at these people saying you're traitors you're trying to hurt us you're trying and it's 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 sad to see that even at both sides of the political spectrum there is that fear yes there is that fear and there is an awful lot of transformation that needs to take place in our law enforcement you know i bet Our listeners remember this time as well, but I remember growing up living in a society that by and large respected police. I respected police. I knew that they would take care of me, that they would protect me. I remember a time that I wasn't a child anymore. I was uh, in my late teens And I found myself in a situation where I had lost the money for bus fare to get home. And I went up to a policeman, and he took out the money and gave it to me. And I just knew that he would, because he was there to protect me. There's a lot of naivete in that kind of thinking, but it sure was a wonderful time to have a police force that we could look up to, to know that their job wasn't to hurt people. It was to protect people. It's so interesting hearing your perspective on relations with police. For me, I was born, I'm pretty sure, just after the Rodney King riots. So even though I wasn't alive or present to see it happen, I think I was raised with a lot of that in the cultural discussion. Uh, there are a lot of fear around police. I, I, I know uh, rap music was very popular, so there was a lot of, a lot of discussion coming out of the African-American community about their historic experience with police, which has been <laughs> often very, very, very negative. So hearing that perspective and, and being exposed to that, even though I was a white kid growing up in a in a fairly white community, which was uh, never really an area where I should particularly be afraid of the police. According to my demographics, I'm fairly safe. I still ended up having that kind of anxiety, even though that wasn't a part of my direct life experience. You know, this is important that you bring this up because it reminds me that in my last comment, I might have inadvertently discounted the black experience. And I didn't mean to. I believe that one of the most important things that can happen with police reform is a greater respect for black people and a greater respect, a greater opportunity to interact. You see, I also remember that there were times when the police would come to the door to raise funds for the policeman's ball. Um, We interacted with them. 
They had fundraisers. They walked by when we were selling lemonade on the street. We talked to them. We had traffic policemen that walked us across the street as we were on our way to school, and I came from an integrated community. It was, there was such a time, and although it sounds like Camelot, I do remember interacting not only interracially but with law enforcement that was very much attached to the neighborhood in which they served. Well, I I hear politicians and so many experts on the subject. I'm certainly not going to say I'm an expert in law enforcement reform, but I've heard people say that those community policing things that you're talking about where officers are engaged with the community on a personal level, like you're saying, make such a huge difference. Um, No matter what race or ethnicity the community that an officer is serving may be, you know. However we can work toward that, we need to take this horrible example of racial bias and inequality and see the vision understand that it doesn't have to stay that way just because it's been that way and know that we can do and we will do whatever we have to do to do our part to bring that about so i think that tragedy in this instance can serve as an opportunity to strengthen our vision for a better future Is there anything that you'd like to share with our listeners as we close our time of discussion for today? I was just thinking, hearing hearing you speak just now, how this sort of through line of, of the different topics that we covered, just they all seem to be about developing respect for someone with a vastly different experience than our own. Mm-hmm whether it's political, cultural, occupational, there's there's a lot of work that we need to do to develop that kind of universal respect. Not to say we have to like everybody, because that's certainly not possible. We're not going to get along with every human being on Earth. Absolutely not, and it's not necessary. I mean, there's a tremendous diversity. We each have our own likes and dislikes, but just because we have our own doesn't mean that others are wrong. That's what we need to be learning. Mm-hmm. So if there's anything that I would like to share with our listeners, it would definitely be to to focus on that that respect, that, that appreciation. I guess another term for it would be in a sense of empathy for these other human beings who are living in America and, and trying to live their best life and... and provide for themselves and their family just like we're all trying to do it's it's hard i mean looking looking at the tv this last week it is hard to feel empathy for some people it is hard not to just flip out and and lose my cool and just be like i cannot believe yada yada Mm -hmm. but the sooner i can get a hold of that and the sooner i can focus on trying to see these people as people, not crazy characters on a TV show that I happen to be watching right now, but real living human beings that I'm living with in this country, that that's an important step. 
Yes, and it doesn't mean we have to tolerate aberrant behavior. It means that we need to recognize that these are human beings who are hurting deeply, but we need to be very clear that there are limits that the law will allow, limits to certain kinds of behavior, and we need to stand firm in that. Uh, So this is a process. This is just an incredible process. Next week, I want us to talk about the biggest, one of the biggest challenges we face, I believe, in terms of transforming human behavior, and that is our habit of living in denial. It just makes things so much harder when we have to face reality. Living in denial, not facing warning signs of something that could happen, assuming that if we don't think about it, it will go away. This is not something that is helpful at all. We have the strength, we have the power within us to face what is and understand and respond to it in the way anyone would. But we also need to remember that we have the resilience within us to find ways to overcome, to move forward, to make a better world, to be part of a better world. And this only comes with acceptance of reality and acceptance of the incredible power within us. Thanks so much for listening to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Please like us on Facebook and connect with us on our website. We're really looking forward to hearing from you. Please share your feelings about what's gone on this week and what you're doing to help yourself become the change you wish to see in the world. Have a wonderful week. You deserve it.